quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. I am your host, Noelle Krupa, and sitting right across from me, 20 miles away, is my co-host, <laughs> Nicole Calso. Yes, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I had a beautiful day today, and I'm now we're here, ready to record. Memorial Day is tomorrow, mm-hmm. so pretty pumped to be off of work. I'm sure everyone else is as well. Yeah. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Yeah, so everyone, I hope everyone's enjoying an adult beverage today and giving thanks to those who have served and are serving our country. Mm-hmm. So big shout out to anyone in the armed forces, past or present, because you are appreciated. We appreciate you. I know I've been partaking in my grilling and uh, adult beveraging. Your, your backyard barbecuing. Backyard barbecue. Yeah. I'm going to start a show called Backyard Barbecue. Um, but I don't have any way to record it besides on my phone. So I'm going to make it look like found footage. Oh, interesting. A yeah. found footage reality show. Yes. <laughs> of you barbecuing in your backyard. Yes. ETV, mm. if you're listening to this right now, contact me. Thanks. Bravo. She's here. Bravo. Just, right here, baby. Just calling it out. I'm in my backyard. Actually, um, I have been super bored and dabbling in writing a new theme song. Oh, okay. Do you have something, a theme song for us? I do. I have a couple options. If you like the first one, we'll <laughs> okay. try the second one. But I really okay. think that the first one's a winner. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. okay remember, this is, uh, let me just sit up. This? Just okay, this seriously? Do you need me to like count you off? Like a five, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight. Actually, that'd be really helpful if you could. Thank you. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. A five, six, seven, eight. 525,600 hours. <laughs> so, like the red Five, song? Nope. 525,000 <laughs> moments in time. But you do know that this is like an actual song, right? No, I wrote this. 525,600 hours of podcast content coming to you live. But there was like a Broadway show, like a musical. Of I never saw song. Cats. No. So I don't know. This is in Cats. I never saw oh. that. Oh, okay. Well. um, With cryptids, with zombies, with demons, and some murder. Ted Bundy, a goblin. Hello, Earther. They even made it into a movie. Um, Cats? Oh, I know. It has Taylor Swift in it. Uh, Rosario Dar- Dawson? She- this isn't ringing any bells for you. No. No, I wrote this song. Do you like it? Um. Well, yeah, because it's an actual song already. But I mean, I like your rendition of it. it no, I wrote this, and I think that we should use it as theme song for oh, our okay. podcast. Um. Yeah, there might like be. Oh, no. I-, I love it. It's just that we might get sued if we try to use it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know why, um, since it's original <laughs> content. But I have a different sure, version. Sure. If you want to hear, if you don't like that one, okay. Let's hear the. Let's hear the second option. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just getting the zone here. Ready? Okay. Who let the ghost out? Who? 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 Wait, wait. That that's Baja Men. 
No, it's my name is Noel. Who let the cryptids out? Who? 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 Who let the dogs out? That's a, that's almost word for word what that song is. No, I said cryptids. Uh, okay. The party was nice. The party was bumping. Quite unusual. Do you like it? And everybody was having a ball. Quite unusual. I mean, I I personally love it, but once again, we might get sued because it's it's a, it exists already. It's a song that already. Yeah, no, I wrote exists. it. I wrote the song. Mm, did you though? And tell the fellas the name. Stop calling. Quite unusual. All right, I don't think who we're let get... the murder out. Mm, who? Okay. Who? 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 Yep. Okay. Well, those Thank were you. beautiful. Thank you. So, so yeah, I mean, we'll just like we can workshop it like a little bit if you want. Yeah. But okay, I just really yeah. feel like we should go in this direction. It's funky. It's fresh. It's new. Kids it's, are gonna love it. It's definitely not new, but everyone will love it. I've never heard it. So, well, agree to disagree. I guess. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, let us vote. If you can go to Noel wrote a new theme song um, for quiteunusualpodcast.com and you can vote there. It totally exists that web address. Let us know which one you want. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, what are we going to talk about this week? Let's get into this episode. So if you listen to last week's episode, you know that Noelle talked about the hollow earth theory and a couple of crazy expeditions, some theories about hollow earth. So this week I'm going to talk about the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins encounter, which kind of plays into the hollow earth theory. I think it Um, does a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I just wanted to uh, start off by saying that this case originally came to my attention through the documentary series on Amazon Prime called Hellier. And I know I I know I told you to watch it. Uh What what are your feelings? Okay, Um, I only watched a few episodes and then I got distracted by zombie movies. Mm. But it's good. It's kind of wiggity wag. Yeah, it's super, super, super good. So they don't necessarily investigate this specific case but this case goes kind of hand in hand with what they investigate and i highly 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 suggest it for all of you strange unusual weirdos like us i i think you'll like it so yeah it was pretty good i mean they talk about goblins and they go here don't they Mm -hmm. to the kentucky they go to kentucky but i a different part of Kentucky. And um, so it's Greg and Dana Newkirk, and they are just two, in my opinion, two of the best paranormal investigators that I've come across. Um, and I, I'm huge fans of theirs, too. So look up their work as well, because they are pretty awesome. Yeah, I totally love them. I mean, I was expecting, honestly, for being honest, not to malign <laughs> anyone here. But I was expecting, mm. like, a ghost adventures moment. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was so much better than that. So so much better. Yeah. I love how at, like, the beginning of the show, not to, like, spoil anything, but they were, like, pretty skeptical of what these people wanted them to come investigate. Right. And they mm-hmm. wanted some sort of proof before they actually went there. And right. I, I don't know. I kind of like that. It seems more legit to me. Yeah. Instead of just, like, screaming at ghosts, hoping that they'll scratch you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're not maligning anyone. No, 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 no. We're not. No, no, no. Yeah, no, not no. even. Not even one person. <laughs> not even one baggy pant wearing person. Nope. Just, nope. Oh, so just zack that out of your mind because that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> not at all. Not it's at all. Phrase. It's a common phrase, right? <laughs> it's totally like, common. Zack it out of here. 
Yeah, totally. All right. So do you want to start and hear what happened? Yes. According according to the Sutton family that was terrorized by these creatures? Yes. Let's get into the terrorization. So our story starts in 1955 at a farmhouse in rural Kentucky in between the towns of Kelly and Hopkinsville. So it's kind of like an unincorporated area, kind of on the outskirts of these two towns. Right. Um, from what I understand, it's it's like super, super rural, like the yeah. kind of small town where like everyone knows your name and mm-hmm. like people live in like small like shack style houses without even right. running water. Yes. Very, 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 very country. So on Sunday, August 21st, 1955, Elmer also known as Lucky Sutton, his wife Vera. Yeah, uh, these names are all awesome in this um, whole story. So just prepare yourselves. Okay. So Elmer Lucky Sutton, his wife Vera, and their friends Billy Ray and June Taylor were all visiting Lucky's mother, Glennie Langford, for a Sunday dinner. I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt you for one second? Of course. Did you say Billy Ray? I did. I you said Billy, Billy Ray Taylor. Billy Ray Taylor. Mm-hmm. It's a man's name. It's a yeah. It's a true man's name. Can we call him Uncle Uncle Billy Ray? Please? Uncle Billy Ray. It just feels right. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have Mrs. Glennie Lankford, age fifty. She's a widow. We have Elmer Lucky Sutton. He's twenty five. He is Glennie's son by her first husband, who is deceased. And then we have Vera Sutton, Elmer's mm-hmm. wife. She's twenty nine. We also have. J.C. John Charlie Sutton, 21, and he was Glennie's son by her first husband also. Okay. And then his wife, Aileen Sutton, she's 27. So then we have Glennie's children um, by her second husband. So they're the half-siblings of J.C. and Elmer. So their children. So it's, it's Lonnie... Carlton and Mary and Lonnie. So Lonnie's 12, Carlton's 10, Mary's 7. And then we have Billy Ray Taylor, Uncle Billy. Is that what we're calling him? Uncle Billy. He's 21. He's a friend of Lucky's. And then June Taylor, his wife, she's 18. And then we have O.P. Baker. He's 30 or 35. That's what the article said. I guess there's not an exact age for this man, but okay. <laughs> he is the brother of Aileen Sutton, who is the wife to J.C. Sutton. So just to kind of wrap it all up here, it's a total of 11 people there this night. There's eight adults and three children. Okay, so it's like a big, sort of a big family and a couple of their family mm-hmm. friends. Yes, and they're all over at this farmhouse having Sunday dinner. So okay. Lucky was actually on a break from his job with the traveling carnival. So he decided to come give his family a visit, bring his friend around along to visit as well. So at about 7 p.m., they had all settled together for a card game after dinner. And they were in the middle of nowhere, just on the farm. And they obviously, like you said earlier, they don't have running water. So Billy Ray goes out to the well to go fetch some water. Billy Ray comes back from getting water and he is visibly shaken and he's super excited and his heart rates up and he tells the family that he saw strange lights in the sky 
and that he saw a disc-shaped aircraft with all of the colors of the rainbow on the side flying through the sky near the farm. Really? Yes. All the colors mm-hmm. of the rainbow. Okay. I like that. It sounds Honestly, it's reminding me of Skittles. Um, <laughs> a Skittle so. ship just flying through the sky. Chase the rainbow. All right. Mm. So Billy, so Uncle Billy goes out to get, sorry, I'm so sorry, Uncle Billy Ray goes out to get water, um, sees a skill ship, and then mm-hmm. comes back in and he's like, hey, Comes everyone. running back, yeah, running back inside. And everyone at the farm is just kind of like, yeah, whatever, Billy Ray, you're full of it. It was probably just a shooting star or a meteor or something that you saw. So they don't really believe him until about an hour later, they start to hear strange noises coming from outside. And they also hear the family dog outside starts to just bark and just starts to go crazy. So at this point, Lucky starts to think that there may be something to Billy Ray's crazy story. So he agrees to go outside with him. Of course, they have guns. They're Of course. That's the South. It's rural, rural Kentucky. So they go to investigate. So they go outside and they see a strange creature emerge from the woods And they describe it as a three to four foot tall goblin-like creature with a large head, giant yellow eyes, and and long skinny limbs with talons at the end. And they say that it seemed to float instead of walk. Their skin was said to be silvery and glowing. And they also said that he had... He said that he approached him with his arms raised, almost like in a surrender. That's really strange mannerism, like to have his arms mm-hmm. up like that. Yeah, but, almost like I come in peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And and honestly, it's sounding like a gray alien to me, like the way that they're sort of yeah. describing this. But I did see a picture, which I don't know. I don't know if this who gave this like photo or whatever or this uh-huh. drawing. But the drawing of these guys totally reminds me of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Mm hmm. And we'll post a photo of this on the social yeah. media so everyone else can see it. Of but course. Totally reminded me Totally of that. does, yeah. It Honestly, mm-hmm. whoever created Lilo and Stitch probably got the idea from this case, if they're into aliens and weird stuff. So they said that their skin was glowing, but when the light was shown on it, it just turned to like a dull metal metallic. And they said, but they said it did look like skin. So it wasn't like fur or anything else. Their bodies glowed more when they were shot or if the volume level got higher. Really? Yeah. And they said to go along with the stitch thing. They said they had like triangular ears that stuck up large and floppy and wrinkled, like almost like leather. And like I said, no hair. There was no indication of a sex. They all just kind of looked the same. And they didn't make any noises with their mouths or when they move through the woods. Maybe that had to do with the fact that they floated instead of walked, but they were very silent creatures. I love this visual that's being painted here. Like these kind yeah. of glowing creatures like floating through the woods. Right. Coming up to this like isolated farmhouse. <laughs> yeah. It's very ethereal. Ethereal. They said that the creature got about 20 feet from them and then they started shooting. So one of them had a shotgun, the other one had a twenty-two rifle. Right. And when they shot at the creature, they said that it just kind of flipped over and ran away. And they said when the bullet hit the skin, it sounded 
almost kind of like a rattling sound as if they had just shot something metal or if you had something in a can like nails or something and like were shook the can it was it sounded like it was it hit metal basically okay so so it's kind of like skipping off of their skin right that's wild so they shoot them and it's not like they get shot and they die they just kind of flip around and then run away so they run back to the house and lucky's brother they get to the house lucky's brother jc tells them that he saw something similar peering into one of the windows while they were outside looking and jc shot at it and broke the window so they go back inside or they go back outside and they just kind of want to see if they hit any of these things. And as they walk out, Billy Ray Taylor, he's the first one and he's standing under the awning of the door and a claw comes down from this like awning. So the thing's (gasps) standing on the awning and touches his hair. Oh oh my God. That gave me goosebumps. Can you imagine? I know. So creepy. It, It reminds me of something from like, I don't know, like signs or something, you know? Yeah, dude. That's so scary just to have something like a little claw like kind of touch your hair. I would freak out. I'm freaking out right now. I know. So Lucky runs out because he sees this claw thing like come out from on top of the house. He runs out and he fires at him. Same thing happens. This thing just flips around, gets up run, and just runs away. So... For the next couple of hours, the family is just kind of locked in this house, and they're just basically being terrorized by these things. So crazy. Yeah. So they can hear them running around the roof. The dog is now, because of course, I had to find out what happened to the dog. You have to. You have to. The dog is now underneath the house, and apparently he stays there for the rest of the night because he's just terrified also so he's under the house and these things just keep popping up in the windows scratching at the screens and the doors and the family just keeps shooting them and just trying to protect themselves from these beings i feel like the fact the dog is hiding under the house it it just says so much to me Mm -hmm. i mean like okay you have teeny tiny dogs right i do yes i have two chihuahuas (laughs) do you do you have any doubt in your mind that if a full-grown adult tried to break into your house they wouldn't try to murder this person yeah, well oh chihuahuas are pretty feisty i don't they they're they super might. crazy i feel like every yeah. dog i've ever owned would like attack a bear or something if i was right. in danger yeah and, like this dog is just hiding under the house i feel like whatever yeah. these things are that's terrorizing this family these little yeah. stitches Mm-hmm. They must be so <laughs> fucking scary. Right. And he can like sense it too. So he's like, oh, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, See you guys later. <laughs> piecing out under the house. Yeah. So the article that I did read, it kind of it said that it seemed that they were almost doing these things to be playful. Hmm. The popping up and kind of being at the window. And like I said before, they first approached them kind of like with their hands up like, hi. So... It doesn't really seem that they're trying to, like, actually, like, kill them or attack them. But, I mean, the family was not trying to really figure out what they were trying to do. So, and they they didn't really know how many of them that there were. So, they say that they had only ever seen two at the same time. So, it could be anywhere from two to 15. There's... 
is a newspaper article that said that there were 15 of them, but the family never stated that. They just said that okay. they only ever saw two. So there could have just been two. There could have been 10. We don't really know. Right. So at about 11 p.m., the family has just like kind of had enough and they're scared shitless. So the children are crying. Bullets don't seem to be doing anything. And they decide that there's really not much left for them to do, but just to get the fuck out of Dodge. So they flee to their cars and they drive to the Hopkinsville police station. And so they get to the police station and they tell the story. Well, these are like, I assume, like Southern, like strong mm-hmm. people. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're small town, they're Southern. These are the yeah. types of people that they don't back down, they don't Mm-mm. run to the police, they handle shit themselves. So, right. for them to literally be running away from their house and going to the police, they must have been so fucking scared. Right. And it's funny that you actually bring that up because that was one of the things that the police chief after all of this happened and after all of the interviews and stuff that was one of the things that he actually said he i think i have the exact quote in here further but oh okay it's right here he says these were not the sort of people who normally ran to the police something frightened them something beyond their comprehension their comprehension so like you said they're they're tough country farm folk they can handle the handle their own shit and Whatever they saw freaked them out. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, so the police chief, his name is Russell Greenwell, and he says that they were visibly shaken and frightened beyond reason, not ordinary. And it's interesting because they also say that Billy Ray's heartbeat was beating very fast, and he had an accelerated um, pulse, and he just kind of really looked, like, shaken up. And that's something that... One of the, it was like a medical professional and they had stated that they had seen that. And that's something that you can't really fake. Right. Do you ever, um, speaking of faking a heart rate. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever like been in the hospital or like you're getting like your like pulse taken and you Mm -hmm. try to slow it down. Like you're like some James Bond shit and you're like, (laughs) have you ever tried to do that? I've okay. So I've never done that, but you know, when uh, you sit on the table and the doctor hits your kneecap yeah. to make your knee go. Uh-huh. When I was little, my mom, I think it was my mom, she told me like, oh, like that's how they like know you're alive, your reflexes. And so in my little kid head, I wanted to try to trick the doctor that I was like dead, like a zombie. And I tried so hard <laughs> not to kick my foot <laughs> every time they did that. Yes, dude. It's so good. I was trying to slow my heartbeat down. Like, <laughs> they're not going to believe this shit. Like, <laughs> like to pretend you were dead or just to be like the slowest yeah. heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be like, wow, she's such a cool customer. Like, I don't know. God, That's hilarious. Fucking losers. But anyway, I know. <laughs> keep, keep going with the story. It's good. So they gather 20 police. Um, they have state police. They have county police, city police, even military police, because there was a nearby um, military base, Fort Campbell. Okay. And so they have all of these officials. They also have a newspaper photographer and another investigator. So these people they come to the house they search they search the yard they search the fields but they don't find any evidence to support their story but they also don't find any evidence to try to deny the story or like Mm. debunk it 
Okay. So interestingly enough, the police also interviewed neighboring farmhouses, which they're not like next door, but I mean far enough to where you could hear a gunshot. So they interviewed neighboring farmhouses and the residents, and they actually corroborated the Billy Ray's story that they had also seen strange lights in the sky and that they had heard strange noises outside and had also heard gunshots coming from the Sutton farm. Okay, so this is legit and people can back their story up. Right. So this was, I mean, they obviously hadn't even, it's not like they went to their neighbors and were like, hey, if anyone comes, you know. So (laughs) it was also reported that the police had found several several spent bullet shells and noticed a lot of bullet holes in the house, which supported the theory that they had been shooting at these things all night and even through their windows in the house. Because I mean, unless you're going to sit in your house and just shoot at random walls and windows, you know, so that supported their story as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, no one's just going to sit and be like, Hey, should we, (laughs) Should we shoot out a few of these winders? I ain't got nothing else going on. Exactly. No one's doing that. It's my Kentucky accent, by the way. That's a that's a really good one. <laughs> so one of the police officers actually even reported seeing an odd luminous patch along a fence where one of the beings where they had said one of the beings had been shot, but nothing was ever it's nineteen fifty five. Nothing was ever collected. And it's also a rural rural Kentucky so nothing was collected and it said that the next day it had disappeared um Hmm. that's pretty exciting like a luminous patch is do you think that's like blood or something I think that's what they had yeah what they were leaning towards what it could possibly be but they also said that they had reported seeing green lights in the woods but they couldn't locate where it was coming from when they when everyone went to investigate so wow the police said that yeah, so they're seeing kind of weird stuff too, but they can't really locate. I mean, no one actually physically saw a goblin, so right. they can't be like, yes, we saw. That's wild. Yeah, so they're unable to find anything. The group of investigators leave between 1 to 2 a.m. And at 2.15 a.m., roughly around that time, when everyone was gone, just the family was there, the goblins return. No, return to the goblins. No. <laughs> yes the sequel so (laughs) they go back to doing exactly what they did before so they're peering in windows they're coming up to the door the family just keeps shooting them with bullets but they aren't really affecting them and just before dawn around 5 15 ish the goblins leave and they are never seen again on the property dude i would flip the fuck out Mm. at this point like you tell the police you put put yourself out there you seem like a fucking crazy person and the police are like, well, we don't see anything. We kind of believe you, but we can't find anything specific. They all leave, like the authority mm-hmm. figures. The little goblins come back. I would feel crazy. I feel crazy right now. It's just like that, like in a horror movie where you like they call the police and the police is like, yeah. well, there is nothing over here. You guys are just a bunch of crazy kids. And then they're like, but no, no, no. And then the police officer leaves and then everything just comes back. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Everything just goes to shit right when the cops leave. Exactly. So an interesting little tidbit is the exact time. It's not really known, um, but a state police officer reported that he was at a restaurant called Shady Oaks about two to three miles outside of Hopkinsville towards Kelly. 
and he reported that he saw and heard several meteors shooting through the sky. Okay. But he said that it sounded like artillery fire or like a whining sound. So he was in his cop cruiser parked in this parking lot. I'm assuming that's where he was. So he's looking out the window and he claims that he saw them traveling in a downward trajectory. But he also claims that they were not like other meteors because he said that he had uh, witnessed the Persid meteor shower earlier that year and that he saw what he saw was brighter and larger and that it wasn't making the noise that he had experienced seeing these so-called meteors that he saw that night. That is so cool. Honestly, it sounds like spacecrafts like landing Mm -hmm. or like. I don't know, like crash landing or like landing on purpose, but that's what this seems like to me. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's get into the aftermath of this encounter. So word gets out about this story and these crazy creatures attacking the farm and the public just goes wild because that's what people do. Of course. So the adults who experienced the night are interviewed by Andrew Bud, also known as Bud, led with. Of course. He's a nickname. Yeah, of course. And he is, um, I, I believe he's a radio station personality or he works at a radio station like locally. So he brings in a professional artist and he has the artist sit down with each of the adults um, separately. So he does the the women first because at the time, the men had gone out hunting, so they weren't there. So he he sits down with the women, and they describe what they saw. And then he sits down with Lucky and Billy Ray, and then they describe. So there are a few discrepancies between what the females described and what each of the males described. But for the most part, these the each of their sketches are pretty fucking spot on. Like, almost exactly the same so there were a few discrepancies like the females described them as being thicker build and the males described them um a little bit like skinnier and some of them they had like some of them more muscular and there's actually and we can post it too they do have all of the the three i think there's three sketches that's so interesting to me um i read once in a report that it said that women give more accurate physical descriptions than men oh yeah i believe it I, I don't know why, but basically, like, when police are looking for eyewitnesses to crimes, they usually look for women to give testimony instead of men because they're more accurate and they have better memories as far as, like, physical right. attributes go. Mm-hmm. So, not to brag or anything, but, you know. So, reporters, photographers show up, obviously. Newspapers from Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, they all come to interview the family. And even a New York City reporter... Or, or a newspaper does a story on the family, which I thought was pretty interesting. Wow, from the big city? From the big city. I don't even know what accent that was. <laughs> that was pretty pretty obviously a New York accent. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> as all of these reports are coming in and about the story, people start to just be people and they start to just think that the family's full of it they're calling them liars they say oh this is just a hoax and they claim that they were probably just drunk off of moonshine didn't see anything the fact that 
Lucky and Billy Ray worked for Carnival also kind of gave them a bad name as well because they people thought that they were used to um, attractions like men with women with a beard or like Lobster Boy or something. Um, So they thought that they were just kind of doing it as an attraction type of thing to garner money. Right. And when you say like when you hear someone is a carny or like, a you know, Carnival folk, I guess um, it's sort of for some reason makes them a little best like a little bit less credible i don't exactly. know if it's like a i don't know it's just like a weird i think it's because it's like if like you're seen as kind of like lower class yeah, so maybe. like a stereotype the, of it. yeah it's mm-hmm. definitely a stereotype i think and the fact that they were they didn't they lived like on the outskirts of town they were country right. folks so just that in in and of itself gave them kind of like a bad name so people were like well we don't believe that you know type of thing Right, it's awful. Yeah, so the farm becomes somewhat of a tourist attraction with, and this article said, Looky Loos, which I love. Um, with Looky Loos trying to get a peek at the farm, um, and the Suttons were not happy about it. Also, the fact that their credibility and their honesty was being questioned just kind of really made them upset because, I mean, they they prided themselves on being honest on themselves on being honest people like god-fearing individuals and so they're just kind of upset about the whole thing and they eventually just wanted everything to just go away yeah for sure i mean can you can you imagine someone just being like oh nicole she's right. a liar just don't believe exactly anything she says. yeah that's got to be rough especially when you live in a small town like your word is sort of like your bond you know? exactly Mm -hmm. And so in an effort to try to get these people to leave them alone, they decided that they would start charging people an entrance fee in the hopes that it would discourage them from trespassing on their land, which in theory kind of makes sense, but it kind of backfired on them. So instead of trying to persuade people to leave because of a fee – it just kind of made everything worse because it, it convinced people that it actually was a hoax and that they were actually just really in it for money. And they, their end game was just that they just wanted to make money. I understand both sides of that. I mean, mm-hmm. people are just coming onto your land, just peeking around your house. That's right. annoying as shit. So if yeah. you charge people to do it, maybe they won't be as inclined to pay the yeah. $5 or whatever exactly. to look around your house. But then you sort of look bad. Mm-hmm. for charging money um yeah my biggest thing though is that people do not profit off of this stuff like it ruins mm-hmm. your lives like when you report a ghost you're the crazy ghost person when you report yeah. goblins you're the insane like goblin people and then you become the laughing stock of the town and exactly. it ruins your life so i've always hated that you know no one's going to report something like this paranormal or right. alien or whatever for the profits yeah, I know. So, like you said, that idea just doesn't work. They finally just decide that the only thing that they can do is just to stop talking about it ever again. So, they're just like, no more visitors, no more interviews. We're never going to speak of it ever again in the hopes that people will just kind of forget that it ever happened and just kind of leave them alone. Okay. So, I, I couldn't get a, a solid answer on this, but... Mm-hmm. The article that I was looking at, um, one of the articles, 
said that 10 days after the incident, the family sold the farmhouse and went, and I know that they did move out of the farmhouse. I just don't know if it was 10 days, but so they sold the farmhouse and then they went to live in an, in an, an apartment in town because Glennie was quoted as saying she felt more safe around people. So yeah, so this whole incident kind of like pushes them from where they like their family grew up into more of where like the city because it scared them to death. Right. Like they literally sold like the family farm to feel safer. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad to me. Right. And actually JC Sutton, he was the most affected by the encounter it really shook him up and he was actually he wasn't able to hold the job afterwards because of it and he just it kind of ruined his life which is also equally sad that is sad he was one of the younger ones so right jc was like 21 yeah he earlier. was the one um he was the one that lived at the farm with glenny okay. so lucky was the one was in the carnival so he was he lived there so during the time Immediately after the encounter, the U.S. Air Force got involved with the case, and they had mm. an investigation under the name of Project Blue Book. I've and heard of that. yeah, so it, it was kind of like something that they put into place to investigate UFOs. And according to the documents, this was never officially reported, but and then no official investigation was ever made. Okay. But the the press and the local police both reported that Fort, the Fort Campbell military base had sent men from the Air Force Intelligence and then another two men from uh, Stanford Field, a commercial airfield in Louisville. And it, it had even reached they had even reached out to the chief of police about the incident, mm-hmm. but they didn't really tell him what they wanted. So and actually the Project Blue Book files were declassified in the 70s or 80s and okay. they actually did have files on this case oh. but they didn't they didn't have anything where it was like aliens blah, blah blah but they did investigate this case so okay that's sort of weird though that they yeah kind of lied about it mm-hmm. I, that almost makes me feel like there was something there when the government lies about right. something like that it makes right. me feel like it's true right because why couldn't you just be like yeah we did but we didn't find anything you know right suspicious so although they vowed to never talk of the incident again after the initial interviews and the press and everything they did let one woman named isabel davis come in and interview them for her book called close encounters at kelly and others of 1955 so it's written by isabel davis and a man named ted blocher I think that's how you say his last name. So she comes in and she gets in touch with Glennie Lankford, the matriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. She describes that she she came to the house and that Glennie was obviously at first skeptical about talking to her. And she said that the family, Glennie says that the family took a beating. The lies they told about us, they said we were drinking. They said there were 12 to 15 little men and that people just wanted to make money and sell things out of it. And she just was kind of like, I like iffy about it. You know, like, I don't really want to talk about it. Right. Isabel says she didn't really get much information out of Glennie, but what she got instead was a showing of the woman's character. So she describes her as a rigid, unbending, stern woman who was clearly wishing that she'd go away and just kind of leave her alone. 
And she said that it made quite the impression on her as a person researching the case. So okay. the chief of the chief of police, Russell Greenwell, he called Glennie the most impressive witness because he says that she's the type of woman who would wouldn't tell a lie, even oh. if her life depended on it. Like she's just very straightforward. Right is right. Like would not would not tell a lie. And Isabel in her book says that she was 100% that. Like, she was yeah. 100% everything that Russell had described her as. Okay. So she's just, Glenny is, like, solid like a rock. She's not going to yeah. lie. So why would she? Exactly. So yeah. let's, I'd like to get into some explanations about the case. So obviously with any story that involves strange and unusual, you're going to have skeptics. So... Let's talk about some of the things that people tried to claim are the true reason behind what happened. Is being like a skeptic to stuff like this sort of the new devil's advocate? Like, do you ever feel like people just want to argue? So they almost decide that they don't want to believe in whatever, just so that they can yes. have an opinion that differs from yours. Yes, I absolutely, absolutely believe that. I mean, just everything that you say, uh-huh. there's always going to be that one person. It's just going to be like, no, no. Right. You know? just always have to, the earth is flat. Why? Because I say it is. In 1957, U.S. Air Force Major John E. Albert came to the conclusion that the whole thing was a hoax and that hmm. and that the what the witnesses actually saw and just just hold on to your butts for a second. What the witnesses <laughs> actually saw was a monkey painted painted with silver that had escaped from a circus because you know that happens all the time oh yeah yeah no of course i mean they always escape (laughs) the monkeys always escape after the annual silver monkey parade it's obvious it's the only thing yeah dude it's just the monkeys when you put that silver paint on them they're super slippery so you just (laughs) you can't hold on to them they get away it's just it's how it goes you know right so ridiculous I know it's so rid- it's even more ridiculous than the fact that they're actually just being goblins there. Right? Like what's more ridiculous, a goblin existing in the world <laughs> or a bunch of loose silver monkeys running around yeah. Kentucky? Exactly. So they used the fact that Lucky worked in a traveling circus and they said that he did that he did it and he pl- was trying to play a prank on his family and that they exaggerated the whole thing and thought it was aliens and there's an issue with this, though, because as it was pointed out by Isabel Davis in her book that she wrote, monkeys have long tails and they're hairy and they make noises, whether it right. be flying through trees or just actually communicating to each other. Like you can tell if it's a monkey or if it's not a monkey. Right. We've all seen monkeys. And another huge thing to add is that they fucking bleed when and die when you shoot them. Right. So Exactly. Monkeys aren't just gonna do acrobatics and like flip around and then run off into the woods. Right. Like a monkey will die if you shoot it with a gun. I saw Planet of the Apes. Okay. I know how it works. <laughs> People who live in the area, I think they would recognize if a painted monkey was living in the woods following yeah. the event. You know, right. or if they found like a body of a monkey on their property. That painted monkey. That painted monkey was my best friend. We used to fish. We used to tell stories. I love that monkey that lived in them there woods. I loved him like a son. 
But my own son, he wouldn't ever let me paint him silver. So you know what? Maybe I love that monkey a little bit more than I love my boy. That's an, an exact quote from, no, I'm just kidding. That's not a quote at yes. all. Yes, JC said that about the monkeys. It's like, you know what? I got to come clean. It's the monkeys. We're best friends. I love them. I just, I don't want anyone to know my love for the monkeys. Oh, so also, like I said before, they were also just kind of criticized because of their social status and they were working farmers, low income, had some education, but most likely probably didn't finish school. So there was already kind of a bias towards them and they were considered country people, ignorant, uneducated, easily frightened because of this. People were less likely to believe anything they said, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, I really hate that. I hate that yeah. theory. Or, you right. know, I just hate it's... that, like, they're just being sort of not believed because of who they because are. Because of. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's not right. But so another theory is that they just hallucinated the whole thing. And this is because of the fact that they were country folk. Many people thought that they were all just drunk off of their asses on moonshine. Come on. Right. So... It's an interesting take, but I don't know about you. I've been drunk many times in my life, and I've done a lot of stupid shit being drunk, right? But I've never hallucinated goblins or aliens or anything of that sort. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. I've never... No, dude. I've never hallucinated anything when I was drunk. And, like, to be honest, I've never really, like, eaten a lot of drugs or anything. But (laughs) I just... I just assume if everyone took like mushrooms or something, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You're not all going to have the same trip. You're exactly. Not all going to hallucinate silver <laughs> monkeys when there's actually goblins. Like exactly. No yeah, that's it's the worst theory that there yeah, is. Yeah, it doesn't. I hate it. I hate it so much. Right. And another thing to point out is that there were also children involved. So unless there were three children. So unless the seven-year-old was drunk, it's just hard to believe. Yeah, I don't like that. And I almost feel like because they are country people, you know, other people were like, oh, these kids are probably drunk on moonshine. Oh, of course. That makes you hallucinate for some reason. Honestly, if there was an alcohol that made you hallucinate, sign me up. I'm here for it. I know. That would be the funnest thing ever. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So um, a little, I guess, to her character, like Isabel said and Russell said, Glennie was absolutely not drunk. She, like I said, was a stern, God-fearing woman. So her being drunk off of her ass hallucinating aliens just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. Yeah. So another theory is that the family didn't see goblins, they didn't see aliens, but instead what they saw were great horned owls. Okay. Owls are, great horned owls, well, all owls are nocturnal. Mm-hmm. They don't make much noise. They have yellow eyes. They're around two feet tall, and they have been known to aggressively defend their nests. Okay. Um, no. So... <laughs> So there's just like a bunch of like super shiny owls like looking right. into mm-hmm. these people's windows and like scratching them and like clawing this man's hair with their little feet. Like I honestly I wish an owl would do that. I wish owls terrorize people, <laughs> but they don't. Why? They don't. Because they're birds doing bird stuff. They're not here to like haunt you. I don't know. It 
it just seems like people are grasping at straws. Right. And it's also interesting to point out because I don't know if you know this, but the owl theory was actually also used in trying to explain Mothman as well. So I don't know who decided that yeah. uh, weird paranormal occurrences or possible alien occurrences were owls, but it's just kind of odd. But like kind of going along with Mothman, wasn't Mothman supposed to be like the size of like, was he supposed to be like yeah. seven feet tall or something yes. insane? Yes, a man. <laughs> I would be more scared of a seven foot tall owl than I would of a actual Mothman. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So this theory comes from, and he's a known skeptic, and his name is Joe Nickel, which, like, I appreciate the effort and thanks for mansplaining, Joe. But no, there's just so much wrong with that explanation for me. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that? That's the <laughs> mansplainer alert. Wee -woo, oh. wee -woo, wee -woo. Yeah. No, thanks, Joe Nickel. You know what? <laughs> No one wants your two cents, nickel boy. Right. No thanks. So just a terrible, just a terrible theory altogether. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Go home, Joe Nickel. No one wants your owls. Throughout the years, the Suttons always stuck to their story. The adults, the children, everyone still claims that what they saw was real. And it's also important, I think, to note that the children also back this claim because it's easy to get a bunch of adults to lie, but kids crack easily. So unless you hid the kids and didn't actually really show them, it's it for me, it's hard to actually believe that they would be able to carry this lie throughout the years, you know? Yeah. I feel like children are terrible liars. I mean, terrible do you, liars. Do you remember Balloon Boy? <laughs> this do you remember this? Like so it was like like the boy that like supposedly like climbed into like oh the weather balloon and drifted yeah. off into space yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. And his parents uh -huh. were like, looking for him but yes. he was in the attic the whole time and two days later he's like hi nine one one yeah it's me uh, balloon boy I actually wasn't in the balloon because I'm a child and I'm incapable of lying like he totally ratted out his parents because children can't lie like that it's me balloon boys what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he said. Hi, 911. It's me, Balloon Boy. I'm in the attic. That's a quote. I, I really hope he did. But no, exactly. But to your point, that's exactly what I'm uh, trying to say is that kids, you can't, you can't get kids into a lie and have them carried on until like the day they die. It's just crazy. No, they're terrible liars. In... 2002, Geraldine Hawkins, who is the daughter of Lucky Sutton, she still believes her father's story. And so she says, and this is a quote, it was serious. It was a serious thing to him. It happened to him. He said it happened to him. He said it wasn't funny. It was an experience he said he would never forget. It was fresh in his mind until the day he died. It was fresh in his mind like it happened yesterday. He never cracked a smile when he told the story because it happened to him and there was nothing funny about it. He got pale and you could see it in his eyes. He was scared to death. I'm just picturing Lucky Sutton like sitting on his porch in his rocking mm -hmm. chair being right. like, you weren't there. You didn't <laughs> see him. 
You didn't see those little shiny men. Right. And it just like stuff like this totally gives people PTSD. Honestly, like it haunts them forever and ever. Yeah. So at this point, you're probably wondering like how the hell this whole thing ties in with Hollow Earth Um, because we kind of like brought that up. But so (laughs) it's interesting. And this also ties into Hellier. So Hopkinsville and Hellier are both located in the state of Kentucky, right? Right. So Hopkinsville is on the western side of the state, whereas Hellier is on the eastern side. So they're kind of almost on separate ends of the state of Kentucky. Right. And I even I even Google mapped it, and we're talking about like a solid six hour drive between these two places in the same state. So, so pretty far away. Yeah. So pretty far away. So in Hellier, it's about a man who contacts these paranormal investigators and he claims that he's being harassed by goblins in Hellier, Kentucky. Right. And the similarities between the two cases are actually pretty unbelievable and very very frightening so hellier is an unincorporated community similar to the area where the suttons were uh hellier is a coal town so there's a lot of mines a lot of caves and entrances to basically underground so there's a theory that these goblins have been living underground and that they made their way from Hopkinsville to Hellier by means of underground caves and mines. And there's also a theory that they either came from hollow earth, maybe have been living in hollow earth. It's also a theory that they obviously are aliens. Maybe they came from, I don't know, the sky, another universe, another planet, but maybe the whole idea of having, having a hub an alien hub in center earth that also kind of plays into this. So I just kind of thought that it was interesting that both of these cases happened in Kentucky and they're just super similar that you can't really like deny, you know? Oh, totally. And dude, I'm into this whole thing. Like I don't necessarily believe in hollow earth because it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not real, but, um, the cave system, I definitely yeah. believe in that. I mean, there's yes. actual proof that there's this huge, weird-ass cave system, like, all over the United States. And it's creepy. If we're going to say that, whether they are aliens, I mean, the one police officer saw whatever falling from the sky, so maybe it was aliens. But mm-hmm. either way, if they came from, like, out in space or if they came from this weird cave system... If you think about animals that do live in caves, they always mm-hmm. have giant eyes, which these were described as having. Yes. They oh my gosh. usually have giant ears. Think about bats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually bioluminescent to help them kind of like counteract the darkness or like kind of see in the dark a little yeah. bit. So I don't know. I mean, it makes sense to me that these would be subterranean animals of some sort. Like they've evolved to... Maybe not subterranean, but, like, they live in an environment where it is very dark, so they have yeah. the giant eyes yeah. to take in the little amount of light. Right. It's just, it's feeling right. And yeah, it makes sense knowing what I know about, you know, animals or whatever. Yeah. So, 
you just sparked like a little theory in my brain. So what if these beings came from outer space? They landed. They found people, the Suttons, obviously. And the Suttons were just like, we don't know what they are. We're going to shoot the shit out of them. So they shot them. And then they were like, well... We're just going to go – they, like, went into whatever cave or mine or anything they could find, right. have been living here since, yes. decided mm-hmm. maybe – I mean, obviously not Hollow Earth, but maybe they've just been living, like, underneath Earth. And right. then they decided to come out from another entrance and try it again, and that's what Hellier is, you know? Dude, that honestly – it Did makes I just a lot solve it? <laughs> I also thought it was interesting. So the Kelly Hopkins goblins encounter, it sparked a little bit of creativity in in a well known director, actually, named Mel Gibson. Um no. Oh, oh thank God. Okay. Well you well, you might you might have heard of him. His name's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> that old guy him so it sparked a little creativity in him and it actually prompted him to write a story called night skies which was loosely based on the case right so spielberg then had a change of heart and he decided he was going to morph the case into a different story so the story that he morphed it into was called et and me so i guess you can say the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins inspired the movie E.T. What? Mm-hmm. So, Nicole, I want to know what you think. Like, do you believe mm. that this is real? Do you believe the Suttons? What are your thoughts? Mm, so I really, I really believe the Suttons. I want to play like skeptic. Oh, it could be this, it could be that. But I just don't know what else it could be unless they were just trying to actually make money from it but they didn't make money from it and i believe it i actually believe it what do you think i believe it too i want to believe that these goblins are real because they're so like we talked about in the hollow earth episode there's Mm -hmm. so much that we haven't like explored on this planet alone Mm -hmm. i mean there's all these caves that are just a fact that these caves exist there's these crazy ass animals in there I don't know. I think, why couldn't there be something like this? <laughs> That's all I had for the goblins. That was a super good episode. This might be my favorite one ever because I really? love this little little green ghoul situation happening. I know. I yeah. Know. It's, it's pretty cool. Nicole, if people want to do some more research on their own, where can they find this source material? Well, we will provide everything that I used for this episode in our description also, like I said, highly recommend Hellier. Isabel Davis's book, also really good. Check that out as well. Yes. And if you have any stories about goblins, little green ghouls, little mm. trolls, little spooky mm. stuff, let us know. Send us your listener lore. You can DM us on the social means. Um, we're at Quite Unusual Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can email it to us quite unusual pod at gmail.com and if you like what you hear or if you don't like what you hear whatever you hear just let us know and rate review subscribe to us because we always want to be better so just let us know and as always we have been your hosts noel krupa and nicole kelso 
mm-hmm. reminding you to celebrate the strange and keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.